pa- pa- you wrote a book called Paleo with a Purpose. Um, it's not how I know you. I know you from seeing you. We work at the same um, summertime gig, mm-hmm. the CrossFit Games. Yeah, the, sure. What is the games? And um, and you wrote this book, Paleo with a Purpose. And so since you were going to be on the show, I dug it out. And I can't really believe how much is in there that resonates with me. Not because I lived it, but um, it's not... It's, it's not a diet book to me. It's like a life book. It's like a, um, almost like a, I'm a huge fan of Eckhart Tolle. Do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, it's like one of those books to me. Maybe all books are like that to me, but it's well, like thanks. a, uh, self help. It, it's got a lot of different threads. Yeah. It's got a narrative. It's got a lesson plan. It's got lists, but I, I think I gravitated more to the narrative. Yeah. Which is probably why some people have a hard time following that because that's how I kind of work is a little bit more of a stream of consciousness thing and I want to read it as a story. Um, but, I, you know, again, I don't think that's necessarily how somebody who picks up a diet book in, in just a diet book is mm-hmm. exactly how they're going to learn. Like they would want those pieces. <coughs> and I kind of very lightly tried to touch on that. Like, you know, the first couple pages says, you know, if you don't want to read all this crap, cool, just do those first two pages. Like that's mm-hmm. it. You're good there. But if you really do want to know the why and all the stories that go behind it, you could dive further in. And for me, that's just fun. I just like to read and get to learn mm-hmm. about people or my friends. So that's kind of why all the other stuff comes up. And then the application of doing it for 20 years. Right. Like, you know, if you, all you've done for 20 years is coach, like, why? And what keeps you motivated on that? Especially with such a topic like nutrition where everybody wants to punch you in the face whenever you mm-hmm. kind of yeah. talk on it. Everybody, everybody already knows. Yeah. Yeah. And you touch on religion. Someone punch you in the face for that in there, too. Yeah, I try to hit on both so that I don't actually have to talk about it in person. I can just put it in the <laughs> book and then walk away from it there after that. Yeah. How old are you, Josh? 36. And um, you have a, you own a CrossFit affiliate? Yeah, practice CrossFit since 2007. And I noticed when you post, I, I really like your post, but I noticed I feel like you guys post like at one time during the day, like five posts in a row. Like on Facebook? Regularly. No, on Instagram. Okay, yeah. Have you noticed that? So, like, there's not a lot of people I follow who break that rule. Like, there's, I feel like there's an unspoken rule. Maybe Matt can help me where, like, you're only allowed to post one thing a day. If you post two things, you should spread them out. I feel, like, I feel like you guys, you're one of the only people I follow who really breaks that rule. It's so like one, two, three, four, five. I'm like, okay, cheater. <laughs> so Matt actually was uh, my boss, right? And he would teach me, yeah, this guy. Oh, and shit. A lot of finger pointing starting. So yeah, back we, in the... Uh, back in the day. Oh, man. 2000, loose term. 2011? Uh, Maybe 12. 2000. Okay, 2012. 12. So we had a regional Facebook page. And uh, Matt would be like, yeah, you gotta, you post content or whatever. And I'd post it. And he'd be like, that's not the way to do that. <laughs> and, uh, that was usually. I want to know what it was. It would be like, you know, a whole bunch of stuff back to being like, you know, you need to change this. And, and it, it taught me quite a bit of it. But that was actually yeah. one of the things. Like, hey, if you're going to post to that, I think it was every two hours. Yeah, I think uh, uh, loosely. I remember that's what Roughly. we were trying to keep, keep up to. I'm and is that because of like the algorithm with Facebook that just well back then there was it, on your feed, it was it was all timeline right okay. yeah so we were trying not to bombard people exactly. and we were trying to keep up with um, the content that was flowing out of I think at times four or five regionals a weekend right yeah I think there oh, might have been gosh, a five yeah in that's there. right back when we had seventeen wow. and it had to be painful for for you to be able to watch <laughs> yeah. all the guys like me who were just putting random shit out that didn't make any <laughs> sense and it was like hey what song do you like no. and just. You know, really, really it was it was cool because everyone was learning off of everybody else. You yeah. know, like the landscape was still so new, and but you were a master already. No, no, I still, oh, oh. still, still, I'm not. Oh. But it's 
it's it was a, it was a cool practice to see every practice practice. How do you feel qualified giving Josh advice? Well, it was if you weren't a master. I feel like I knew this much, and everyone else was right there. Uh, <laughs> ah, I like it. I was I was more in tune with like okay, we can't say this, we can't say this, we can't say that, and I was just trying to keep everybody you know going on the right path. So you own a CrossFit affiliate. You were a regional director, and a regional is sort of like the um, semifinals of the CrossFit Games. Yep, the step after the Open. So we have the Open, uh, all-inclusive. Then it goes to, uh, I don't necessarily want to say the tip of the spear, but it's definitely tip of the spear at regionals, and then obviously. I think it's safe to say tip of the spear. Then what do you make the games, though? I mean, what's the next? That's really, those are just the wackadoodles. Just mutants? Yeah, Yeah. those are the people from Santa Cruz. The heroes. Oh, so it's all Santa Cruz that makes it it to the games? Okay. Well, you know, metaphorically. Oh, got it, got it. Um, So I read in the book about your CrossFit journey, I read in the book you used to work at a gym. Yeah. Um, you were turned on to CrossFit. Uh, you approached your boss saying, who owned the gym at the time, who's a good buddy of yours, hey, let's open a CrossFit gym together. And he said... Yeah, so I was working at a big box. And um, I was 18 when he kind of recruited me uh, and said this would be really cool. And I never knew it was a thing. I didn't know you could like work in a gym. I'm like, well, what do I do? And he's like, well, you sell memberships. And I'm like, cool. That's, that's <laughs> what I actually did before that. I just sold stuff. Mm. Um, so I went in and started selling memberships. And at about two years into it and I was I was coaching but not more selling memberships and then about two years into that um, I felt really conflicted because everybody I'd sold for the last two years never came in mm-hmm. um, so I kind of went up to my boss at the time who's also a really good friend would become kind of business partners in you know other aspects and I said <coughs> I don't you know really feel right about this and his kind of response was well if we don't get these people to pay for our gym then we can't work out you don't have jobs, mm. yeah. yeah and I'm like cool that's not what I want to be uh, but, but, <laughs> but you started understanding the business was that the first time you started understanding the business model you were like okay I'm gonna do the math here and yeah I yeah see totally so I mean I think it comes back to what you know what you grew up as and mine was like I remember my dad like sitting me down and like watch this and it was commando and you know (laughs) that was my like first the first kind of movie that I remember and I'm like that's what a man like looks like he works out like that's what you should do so like that's where that's where working out comes from like I knew I always wanted to do that that piece Mm -hmm. and then you just built on top of that like comic books and movies and stuff throughout and you're like okay cool I want to continue that so I knew that right when I turned about 16, this is all I ever wanted to do was have something to do with working out. And that was really the only way I felt vested with like humanity that I could push back into it. Like, okay, this is the only thing I can really talk about. This is the only thing I feel intelligent about. So I'll give this back to my friends. And that's where I kind of went into the gym atmosphere thinking like, I can just work out with my buddies and teach them stuff all day. And that's it. That's the coolest thing ever. But selling Sounds memberships like a at a lifestyle. yeah, selling memberships at a gym though is not that. Like how about the right. how about the women part? Like where you like okay, I can give back, I can teach my friends, and I can meet women. Was there that? Unfortunately, yeah. Okay, I mean because <laughs> people do that. Like hey, oh, I'm they gonna, totally do. I'm gonna pick up a guitar so I can meet women. I'm gonna become a trainer so I can meet women. I'm gonna exist so I can meet women. Uh, the existence pieces get a little too much. The, uh, there was no motivation in that. I think it was more of as soon as you started it, you were like, oh, this is a really good way to pick up girls. Yeah. And that's <laughs> not appropriate at all. Like you learn really quickly that that's probably not going to be your best uh, way to be successful. Mm. So Where were you finding your clients and approaching people that weren't coming in? 
most of mine were coming in and oh, that gotcha. was I was personal training at the time. Okay. Uh, and that's actually what really led me to the CrossFit piece is that it was about $60 an hour and this was even back in like 2004 okay. in like, you know, oh, Troy, Ohio. Cool. So like <laughs> it, it only enabled people like doctors and and lawyers and stuff like that and they would work and, and whatnot but I, I didn't feel like I was doing anything for the, the population in total I felt like right. I was just mm -hmm. too too stuck mm -hmm. um, so I would sit in like what the city what city Troy Ohio okay uh, right outside of Columbus and Dayton okay. um, but I would sit there in the office and like I drew the triangle you know like our, our hierarchy of training like I would sit there and like obviously I have no mental depth anywhere near what um, coach <laughs> has so I'd be sitting there and making all shit up but I'm like how do we get to where bicep curls equals fit and I couldn't any come anywhere near that but I knew there had to be a component of us all working out together because the only <coughs> part that people enjoyed was being together nobody liked mm -hmm. the bicep curls and the bodybuilding way or mm -hmm. the nutrition which was eat every two hours broccoli and dried ass chicken breast you couldn't have anybody <laughs> do it but what they would do is they would come in and hang out with me because we had fun together. Right. Like, that's the only part that I was smart enough to recognize. I'm like, mm -hmm. man, I know this part works. The rest of that shit, I can't figure it out. There's, a, there's a, um, a phrase you use in the book, a word you use in the book. I can't remember what it is. I, um, but you call it a moment when um, someone makes a change. And you're saying that they're happening all around you all the time. It's, do you remember what word I'm talking about? Inciting incident? Inciting incident. Yep. Yes, thank you. And so you, you describe an inciting incident that happened to you. You were working at that big box gym. Mm -hmm. um, a customer came in, yep. and um, at the time you were large and in charge. You were five eight and swole like a tick. Two sixty, steroided out of my mind. Yeah, it's awesome. Wow. Two sixty. Yeah, I'm one eighty now for reference. Dang. And I was no taller, obviously. So <laughs> like, yeah, it's bad. And um, and and this guy's f tubby, fatty. Yeah, so I mean, at least I look like I worked out. I look like a really big time uh, off season power lifter. Yeah. So like. you told yourself, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got a ladybug in the room. Never seen that. It's a first Ooh, episode. Whatever luck. this is. Oh wow, that is good luck. <clears throat> and he says to you, you're getting ready to take the money from him, and he basically says to you, "Well, how do I know this shit works? You don't look fit." Exactly. Were you tripping when he called you out? I was trying to sell him, <laughs> and at no point in time do you want to paint that picture like he surprised me, right? Like. I was truly taken off and, mm -hmm. and really, you know, but he, all he did was said stuff that I already knew. Um, I knew that I'd been making excuses for that piece and being like, oh, what's well, off season, off season, off season. And at that point in time, I'd never got on the stage. So yeah, how was there okay. an off season? He, he, right. in, the, in the book, mm -hmm. you say you use the excuse for being fat as, hey, I'm in off season. Yeah. And then he comes back with, oh, when's the last time you competed? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> never. <laughs> it's never happened. So like, oh, man. And, and the thing about this guy's name is Mark, right? And I still totally remember this guy. Super cool human being. And I remember um, what you, tr if, you know, if they cry, they buy was the horrible thing that we used to say in like the fitness. Ad. And that's one of the things that really made me pull out of it. And you mean if you get them to cry in your office? They're going to buy no matter what. Wow. Man, yeah, it's horrible. That's fucked up. Oh, it's horrible. And like that's one of the things that really, you know, I loved being able to present this option that I thought would work if mm -hmm. they used it. And the faith in them for using it was nothing because you weren't going to be there. Mm -hmm. You were selling this on, on this idea and this mm -hmm. epiphany that this will work. And like, sure, in the, in the big overall scheme of things, maybe it does. But they actually have to come in tomorrow and do it. Mm -hmm. And you'd sit somebody down and you'd be like, dude, you are legitimately 300 pounds. You have kids. You're probably going to die tomorrow. And you just berated them oh with man. this shit. Yeah. And of course, they're like, they feel guilty. They sign up. And then it's like, cool, check. I never no. see them again. 
And then wow. again, like after two years of this, Crazy. you're like, either I'm going to just totally buy in and just go straight to hell or I have to do something different. And that Mark was, you know, he was, a, he was my inciting incident big time. Um, and I, that kind of comes from Donald Miller. Donald Miller uh, that's where I stole inciting incident from. Um, and he's an author that kind of talks about that. But I think it's also a play in like movies. Like you always have that piece where that guy, ha- the main character has to be like, no or yeah. Mm. In the, in the beginning of the book, to go back a second, you do give, you do let everyone know, hey, as you read this book, I'm no fucking genius. I'm basically pulling everything together that I've learned to this point in life from other people. And you very humbly say, and I'm trying to organize how, for you, how I've organized it to get along with my day-to-day life and stay fit and healthy. So I, th- I thought that was a great way to start the book, by the way. Well, thanks. And now you're giving the guy credit. <laughs> There's some parts in the book where I just want so much more detail. So you talk about the first time you did steroids and you put the needle in your ass, and you say you took it, me forever to do that. Scared two, out of my mind. Two two years, right? No, well, I'm just talking about standing there with the needle. With the needle. Oh, okay. It took me forever to do that, but yeah, it took me a really long time to actually do it. I studied for probably three years, almost two years at least. I mean, for real, studied everything I could absorb about how this yeah, worked. Anecdotally, book, in the book, you're claiming to just be a self-proclaimed expert. Ooh, yeah. From uh, all that research. From all the research. I would say <laughs> that when you're going for the uh, the version that I was going for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we had Mike Bergener in here, and he talks about his steroid experience when he was a football player in Notre Dame in the 60s. Late 60s, yeah. Yeah. And when he left here, I was like, oh, I need to get some D-ball pills. Like, I've never done steroids, but, I, like, he got me kind of like. Pink ones, baby. He got me interested in doing them. But then I read, like, your book. And I jumped off the bandwagon. <laughs> there's some stuff that <laughs> happens. Yeah, there's just some stuff. Like, I mean, oh shit, my window. Everybody is around you was doing the same thing, right? Oh yeah. So, um, so for I mean, that's where you got to get into it. Is it cheating if everybody does it? First off, and then you would specifically enter into unrestricted competitions where you were. That's just what you did. Um, and then you know you really didn't think of the um, the legality side of it. You just kind of are more into uh, what because it's just you. You know, and there's none of that really addictive property. Like the only thing you ever are addicted to in that is um, how you look Aesthetic. when you're on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that's where like I could see people being uh, angry is when they weren't on it anymore. Then they didn't do the same thing. And then all of a sudden they're deflated. They're 10 pounds lighter. Right. And then they're a different human anyway. But all steroids really does is bring out more of what you are. If you're already a big <laughs> asshole, like you're just going to be worse, man. <laughs> Amplifies it. Yeah. Like it's just, you're just going to be worse. Was there, was there an inciting incident, if there could be, um, for you to stick the needle in your ass? Like what, what finally clicked after all that time? you're like okay i'm gonna do this two years of research why'd you finally buy this stuff experiment for sure um i love like that's another piece of the training like i love what we can do with the body and i think that's where it turned into um at the time it had zero to do with health like working out was as far from health as you could possibly be um and crossfit completely different like i as soon as i saw it for some reason it was immediately like oh love the health part let's do that right right? not Mm -hmm. this other piece that i've been playing and and i kind of felt guilty about it even at the time but it was like, what can you really turn the body into if you marry this sort of medication and then working out and hmm. diet? And what, it, what will it end up being? Not, not like a, not in my mind at least, not like a cheat, 
um, but like what level could you achieve? And that's still interesting to me in like sports. Like when, what, totally. what's a, what's it look like, um, when you have two heavyweight boxers who are drugged out of their minds going after it? Like mm -hmm. if you really had KO. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you, if you really watched that, like what would that end up being if you had people, um, all in on that instead of just the guy kind of trying to do it under wraps and then you take that out even further how could we do that to maybe bring uh bring into the military to be beneficial like i always kind of think through mm. those pieces like mm. what if it helped well now they have robots have you seen these robot dogs and these robot people that can run and jump and we don't even need steroids oh no i have not seen that, you haven't seen that? The robots took have, steroids. You, have you seen the robots that <laughs> the are robots out now? Doing i've seen CrossFit? a couple of the videos yeah have you, you haven't seen the robots doing crossfit uh -uh. it's mind-boggling robots yeah yeah you got to see yeah, that weird. make sure you look that up anyway go on I'll Google that. so so drugs in the military you think that's a good thing i think that <laughs> anything that would <laughs> bring one of our guys back home yeah for sure right i think that there would be no no qualms if you were like hey we know this is not gonna hurt you but there's a way that you can come back and see your family like i'm all for it but Was what it? about long-term effects of that i mean there's not do we know enough about how right. people are in 10 years after they've been taking heavy doses of I steroids for a long period of time? I do know this, and, it, and I guess it really depends on what you would consider heavy doses, right? So if you go to, right. like, um, what are they called? Like the um, fountain of youth places where you can, like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. over 35, I need more testosterone or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So it's okay, go. Something, you see that in the airplane. Every time I get on the airplane, yeah. there's that old buff <coughs> guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, when you go and get drugs from that, you are getting what – a bodybuilder w would just laugh at. Oh, so okay. you're talking about not even on the same it's just planet. So low. Yeah, oh, it's wow. it's okay. almost just enough to barely replace what you would have lost if you were like a 22 year old. Oh wow! Right, so it's it's almost nothing. So in at least with what I've seen, I don't think that you'd be seeing a lot of negative come out of that. Huh. And I really have a hard time believing that all of these kind of fountain of youth centers could be negatively impacting people with just adding back what you're basically missing out on. Oh, oh, Josh, oh. You, you know that's not true. You know the medical community is totally capable in large doses of handing out garbage. What's interesting right. is that the guys <laughs> that own those are almost and always I actually big read dudes. It, and I actually read it in your book. You are highly aware of the medical community's uh, potential for disaster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think Scary. in this application, what you mm -hmm. find the people that really want to do it are mm -hmm. people that have recognized that f in small doses there could be a benefit. Um, now, here's the other thing, though. All of the bodybuilders <laughs> that I grew up watching and loving are almost all dead, and they're all oh. from the 90s. Like, mm. these are not mm -hmm. guys that made it past 40s. Um, and, like, you can mm. Google it and, like, do, do top 90s bodybuilders that are, you know, uh, alive and like there's wow. tons of them that have died was anyone else in your family a bodybuilder no no man there's so much meat on the bone i have to tell you something interesting all the guests i've had here i've never had more than one or two pages of notes with you i got to six pages of notes and i thought okay i need to chill out <laughs> and chill out take a deep breath and like take an hour break from my notes on josh in his book and then have you on probably like three times. I'd like to see the notes and see if I can. Oh, hell no. I'd like to see the notes. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you want to see those. Uh, it, it, you, I want to get back to the needle and the first time put the needle in your butt. Yep. But, but you talked about people who are dead, who are in the bodybuilding mm -hmm. community. You were raised by a father mm -hmm. who is now deceased. Correct. You were 36 six years old. He had, there were 13 brothers and sisters mm. in the family. Wow. 
Uh, let me think about that. I always get this number wrong. Somewhere thereabouts, maybe 11. Yep. Ten, seven of your uncles and three of your aunts all gone. died wow. before the age of 50. All of them. And, and your dad lived longer than all of them. He's the only bunch to make it past 50. Wow. Yep. How... One, is it hard writing about that stuff? You're so vulnerable. Here you are. You come into the HQ office, and, and I'm bombarding you with questions about your family. Does any part of you wish that you wouldn't have told that story? Um, not in the aspect that I think it can help somebody else. I'm, I'm okay with that. I do have a really hard time with being really vulnerable and talking about myself a lot of times, um, and that's actually been one of my um, You goals. wouldn't know by your book. That was, one of, the, that was one of the things. That, well, what actually promoted that, that's been, that's been already done for about four years. Like I've had it done and shelved it before I published it. Um, and I, I read a book of a good friend, and I read his book, and I'm like, well, I could totally do that. And then that's what mm. kind of made me do that. But the hardest thing is... Um, the book is a page turner. It is like you're reading it and you're falling asleep and you like do not want to put it down, by the way. It is a re- you have given it all up. It's really intimate. It's really intense. Every page is filled with um, stuff that's from the superficial to the very deep. Well, to, thank you. To the paradoxical, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And, and again, that, that was one of my, um, I don't want to call it like awakening pieces, but I know that that is necessary to be vulnerable in that, those times to really be able to reach out to somebody um, to say like, hey, for me, diet is not easy. Like I want to do all of these other things that I'm constantly counseling other people not to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like coming down on you. I'm not trying to be all up in your shit. Like I'm just trying to help. And I've been there. You know, like, I I don't think anybody really talks about that, but like, yeah, I own an affiliate and I do a lot of this stuff that I do every day as an example, even though it kind of puts you over in this, like, kind of almost by yourself secluded because you, you're doing that, right? Like, you know, I used to sit there in the car at 1030 at night and have Burger King. And so nobody would see me when I was on a competition diet and I wouldn't have to feel guilty because nobody else was there. Hmm. And I don't know how many times guys actually talk about that Mm -hmm. um, specifically or how much we, we put that out there. And then for, you know, speaking specifically to my, just my parents' background, um, that was really hard for me to deal with. And talk about and I think putting it out there and then having to actually talk about it mm-hmm. has come back with a lot of people that are like man that that was the part that really helped uh, I think it's page 84 or something like that that people are like I read that page and I was like man that's it like mm. I got it cool. um, so yeah I mean that and if it can help somebody then cool did you go to all 10 funerals no none none not a one I don't like them did your dad go to the funerals no we don't do that we don't we know he and I never did family stuff um, were they were his siblings local? Yes. So you knew all your aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. And how do how do t- how do ten people in the family die before fifty? Like what do they die of? What Cancer they- was quite a few. Um, smoking. Smoking was some. My dad was a was a heavy smoker. <coughs> um, diabetes was a couple. Hmm. Um, and then to be to be honest, I really don't even know the rest. It's really sad. They were not a close hmm. family at all. Um, and I really had very limited time with any of those people. Like I couldn't even name them all. And that's in really saying that is even kind of like other people hear it and they're like, man, that's a weird family thing, but we never had that. No, I wouldn't. If you don't spend time with them. I wouldn't expect that. Not expect, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't look you and say, oh, that guy's not a family man. Yeah. I would. I mean, it's honestly, I mean, I look at you and I think you're a family man. Yeah. We just never had that. Never had it. Your grandmother, is she still alive? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Your grandmother has put 12 of her kids? No, my grandmother on my mom's side is still alive. Sorry. Okay. Now my dad's side, no. She's no. been gone for a really long time. Okay, okay. Yeah, really, I never really got to meet her. My, my dad comes from a um, family of 11 or 12 brothers and sisters, big, big family. Two of, the ki- two of my uh, aunt and uncle died um, as young kids. You know, like tragic actions, accidents. I think both were hit by cars or things like that, and it happened in Lebanon in you know 1950. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was no medical. But all of my, fa- they're all still alive. So when I read that, I'm like, holy shit, that would be like if my dad's, all my uncles and aunts were dead. Yeah, and that's a, um, that's pretty intense. So yeah, my entire dad's side of the family. I mean, it's that's it. There is no more like that's just my mom's side of the family. Do you have kids? Do I? No. no, no, not at all. Are you gonna have kids? No. No? no. You you know that for a fact? Yes. Do you have the ability to have kids? I think so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's an interesting question. Yeah. It's a good answer. I think that was a, I think that was a sly little steroid <laughs> answer in there. No. Like, no, that wasn't. He's coming out. I was just thinking that. maybe you got snipped or something or like no. you know you're shooting blanks or something. No, it just never <laughs> never a thing. Um I didn't I didn't want kids. I had no plans on having kids. I didn't want to get married and I had my first kid at 41. So I want to and now I have 3. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. I'm loving interesting. it. Forecasting, right there. So, I, see the forecasting. I mean, especially at 36, I was like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> so much time. I got so much time. Um, I told Dave Castro you were going to be on the show a couple days ago, and he um, started laughing. I go, "What are you laughing at?" And he goes, "Hey, dude, if there's 10 points of that you could rate intelligence, Josh is smarter than you on all of them." Oh, that's not true. He and, did uh, not say he, that. He actually did he say did that. He did not say oh, that. Matt, did he say that? He <laughs> not, totally did not well, say that. Well, that's true. He just said. And so I'm starting your book, and I'm like, how the f- this fucking guy's been through so fucking much. And I was picturing your house as like living in a shit. I just picturing horrible shit for you, right? And I'm thinking, this motherfucker ain't smarter than me. And then all of a sudden, you have to throw in there like on page 15. And my brother's a doctor. I'm like, oh, fuck. So there's got there's some smarts in there. So... You have this tragic, you have this tragic family history, mm-hmm. but on top of the tragedy, the bunches are smart people. It didn't have to be that way for them. Um, they had the, they had the capability to think theirself or work themselves. I don't know. I would discipline I, to get. Out I of mean, it. if you make so many bad decisions, then I don't think you're smart. Like I would never. I'd put my dad as like a cautionary tale. So like, um, I think I was, I am so obsessive and so addictive and so stupid that I couldn't have functioned another way, but to be given an, ex- uh, an example of what never to be. Hmm. I think that God specifically gives me my dad and says, this is what bad is. Hmm. Don't ever do that because I'm so like streamlined and so focused that like, I, like I don't drink not to be the guy that just doesn't drink and be a prick about it because i'm scared to death if i take a drink that's where it will end did like you, you ever drink? see me again yep did you ever smoke no no never but did that people but people are did different drink. too people will have that same parent and then become that parent yeah so it takes somebody to recognize like oh that's not what i want to be yeah yeah but then greg says that you know like in the first podcast that we talked about played that thing like 20 times like you know it's supposedly if you have an alcoholic father you're gonna you're much more likely to become alcoholic yourself but you still have to take the first drink right you have to make that decision and that's what you say that in your book yeah but you're talking about like smart people like 
you, smart to me would be not taking that drink, right? Like, you know it's going to be bad. And for me, I think that I got to have the example. So, like, I'm just not even going to put myself in that position, whereas my dad had so many chances hmm. to be a better dude that it took a stroke that totally changed the way he could function. You know, no more, like, high-functioning human. It's like he acted like a kid. And that's where I, like, met my dad. Hmm. Like, hmm. I didn't have a real relationship with my father at all until he had a stroke and it cut everything else away from him that he could possibly be. And he needed me. Mm. And then he called me and he said, Hey, I, you know, I need your help. Did he keep the bad, the bad lifestyle, the dirty lifestyle, even after a stroke? Did he still drink? Did he still? So here, the interesting thing, right? When you stop drinking, since, you know, alcohol is obviously just sugar, you're, you're going to pick up another habit. So he started eating. Oh. Uh, he did stop drinking right away. Like, oh. as soon as the stroke, he's like, yeah, cool, I'll stop drinking. Stopped. And then it became r the very next thing, start eating. And then he Gummy ballooned bears, up. ice yep. cream, mm -hmm. yep. Ballooned up about 90-some pounds and then wow. went down after that. It's funny. I, I've had this talk with um, Dave quite a bit about people who probably think they're alcoholics, but they're insulin resistant and they're chasing the sugar even more so than the alcohol. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I can even notice it in my own life because I drink a lot of wine every night. And when I don't drink the wine, I start, like, craving sweets. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, just right mm -hmm. away. Or if I get to sweets before the alcohol, I won't drink. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Damn. Thank you for listening to the podcast, by the way. I'm going to yeah. throw that in there. No, I love it. I think it's <laughs> fantastic. I think what we've done here is fantastic. I think it's um, um, much needed. Yeah. Yeah. You... Um, you there's so there, like I, I'm so many competing thoughts. You let's go back to the needle for a second. Why did the first time you put the needle in your ass have hot oil in it? And what did you mean by that? Hot oil hmm. or oil? Yeah, so that it's it's a, it's in oil. The uh, oh. testosterone is suspended in oil, so you have two different suspensions. Okay, I, sorry, have, I read it like you got some bad shit. Well, that would be some really bad shit. Like, that's okay, okay. <laughs> I imagine like you got car oil. Okay, okay. So that okay. does happen. It does. Okay. Over okay. Here. Yeah, that does happen. <laughs> See, so. I mean, you See, are how, smarter than me. I can't even understand, understand your book. So, that, though. so like, think of this. No, synthol, right? You know what synthol is? No, sir. So like the guys with the like the gigantic yes. arm. That's synthol, right? Okay. You inject it directly into the muscle, and it actually kind of balloons it out. So by by way of you can make these gigantic pieces and somebody so there's actually no function to that? that? No, not at all. Synthol is completely It's like fake boobs? Uh, much worse than that, but yeah, but it completely inert doesn't do anything. It just makes you look bigger. But it is some sort of I don't want to say medicine, but I mean it's not uh, it's not it's not that kind of like motor oil. However, there is are stories of guys thinking it's just motor oil doing that and then dying. Ooh. So that has happened, yeah. Jeez. Darwinism. But, yeah. So yeah. So really, when you really when bad. you inject it, it, it hurts. The first time you inject it, yeah, it hurts a lot. Like, why the first time and not times after that? I'm assuming you just build up a tolerance. Like I don't mentally, really know. Yeah, yeah, it could be much more mentally. Like I think you're just scared to death. Like you're constantly thinking. Like you're always sold that a doctor does this, and now I'm like, I've read how to do this a million times, but what am I missing? And that right. was kind of like me. You know, ass hiked up, being like, "What has to happen for this to not go bad?" You yeah. couldn't have someone do it for you, like a sibling or a oh, spouse. I wouldn't, I wouldn't or... want to. Uh -uh. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you'd be like, "No, hold on, no, hold yeah. on, hold on, give me a second, give what me like they, the whole time." Yeah, if they went like too slow, 
Ah, I wouldn't oh. be able to handle it. It's true. Like you don't go too slow. At Did you all. pinch the skin and then? No, that usually you would do something more like a, a sub Q objection for injection for something like that. Like you want it buried into the muscle. So you're looking at a, an inch and a half and a pretty thick gauge needle. It's not a little needle. The bigger Gosh, the gauge, the easier it is for the injection, and the easier it is for the injection or the less sliding of the actual needle. Um, just the better the surface for later injections. And if you're doing it for like a bodybuilder, you're gonna probably have a significant amount of injections. Um, right. So like I went to shoulders and you know. Like how often are we talking? It depends on, so that kind of depends on where you're at. If you're okay. in a pre-competition phase, you're probably gonna be injecting more often because you're probably using an aqueous substance. Um, so you're probably doing it every day, every other like day. Like, okay, once a day, yep. wow. But you were always in the off season, so. You have <laughs> so usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I usually had uh, like you were talking about tabs. So like in D ball tabs in the off season, mm. you would marry tabs with uh, injections, and the injections happened about every four days on wow. that on that timeline. But I did eventually compete. I want that somewhere <laughs> in the record. I did do it. I did do it a couple times. Can we timestamp that, Jay? <laughs> did you um, do you see anyone at practice CrossFit doing steroids? Do you have any no. clients, and you're like that motherfucker's juicing? No, no, I had to think about oh, that for a second. That. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second. No. You post a lot of photos on your Instagram of people who do, who who are in transition. Your Instagram is not full of just like nonstop beautiful people um, with six pack abs and just like you're celebrating people who are making steps. Yeah, so what yeah, one thing I think that like what I really loved about social media and the very first thing I ever used it for was I was so so proud that somebody got a pull up like I you know I never really got to experience that like you know I think we take it a lot for granted like I, I can't remember a time where I couldn't do a pull up like you know even though even when I was really really out of shape I'd kind of always did stuff mm -hmm. so I never really had I that. can remember yeah you can remember that um eighth grade ninth grade 10th grade doing the presidential fitness exam having to do what the girls do were you held what? You just held over the yes. top. Yeah, no, no, I do remember that. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember fitness tests, yeah. I do remember Could that. Could you do a pull-up then? No, I couldn't. You're right. Like, I totally remember. That but shit was hard. Like, all the dudes are doing pull-ups except me and the chicks. I'm like, I don't know oh, if I'd – I'm more looking at, like, an adult piece of it. Like, as an adult. Like, you know, after that weird kind of, like, really fat kid, and then you started playing sports, and that went away. Do you remember you your first pull-up? In like a CrossFit atmosphere or just in no, life? No, just in life. I remember my first pull-up. I don't. No. Where, when, where, where was, was it? Yours? I'm not talking about that. <laughs> oh, man, I want to hear about that. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> well, it wasn't in eighth grade, right? Uh, it, was a, it was a friend who was on steroids, who, was, who did steroids and who did meth. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty wicked combination. Wow, yeah. yeah. And um, he explained to me that it's not a, it's not a pull-up. There is no pulling, that it's the contracting of the lats. And so he used to go to the gym with me, and he would make me try them, and he would squeeze the shit out of my lats. Huh. And then what like, age was this? And there, there was, there's some other parts of the story. <laughs> this is in my 20s. This is probably 23. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not And now I'm the pull-up king of the whole fucking office. You're, oh, you yeah? are? You're pretty good. I, no. I think you just beat Kara. You just beat Kara. <laughs> you beat Kara. Well, yeah, right? You, you beat everybody. Sorry, pull-up queen. Everybody? I'm the pull-up queen of the office. I'm the pull-up queen of the office. <laughs> No, like but it was like five minutes and we were all there. We Savon beat all of us by a lot. Yeah, so, what's winning in that? Like what's the what's, what's the, winning? Yeah, what's winning? I wanna know this. So we did a workout uh -huh. and then after the workout was over, we did someone just yelled, I think right as we were finishing the workout, as soon as this is over, max pull ups in five minutes, strict pull ups. And I got oh. sixty six. Okay. Yeah. 
Was okay. it five? I thought it was less than that. It, it was, was five like, minutes. Five minutes. Okay. But we were. It was at the end of a workout. You know when someone douchebag does that? Probably Tyson. He Probably does that Tyson. shit. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Oh yeah. It falls out something. Oh, add some shit at the end. That okay. Good, That's cool. Sixty-six. That's legit. Strict pull-ups. Okay. Um, so. So how long do you do that? How long are how long are you on on the juice? Oh man, usually six weeks to eight weeks at a time, and then usually you take off whatever you were on. So if you were on for six, you're off for six. And then and then how long your life? One year, two years, three years? How long did I do it? Yeah. Uh, on and off for kind of like that for probably about three years. Is it expensive? Yes, very. There was a, a friend of mine who was doing steroids. This is like 15 years ago, and he was a professional athlete, and. I remember one time his wife saying to him when I was in the room, I love, and he was silly buff, like weird. Yeah. Uncomfortably. He looked uncomfortable in his own skin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, his wife said, I love how buff you are. I hate little scrawny guys like Sevon. <laughs> and, I, and I just remember thinking, like it, it hurt my heart for him that he was married to a woman that was gonna keep it going. supporting right. sure, yeah. his lifestyle. That wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And you say something in your book about that, if I can find it. Well, you start loving the you that's on them yeah, as opposed to the you that's not on them. Yep. And I thought, wow, what a wicked... Well, that's the addictive property that I was, we were kind of talking about earlier because there's nothing in it that's going to make you addictive. It's the, it's the you that you experience whenever you're actually taking it. And mm-hmm. you like that. I love being able to go into the gym at the time, and the warm-up was the heaviest dumbbells that we have. You mm-hmm. know, that is a right. good feeling because then every, you're obviously the alpha male. Like, everybody comes over. What's this guy doing? They all recognize that you're way stronger every single day. <laughs> and then it's like that, that honeymoon CrossFitter who gets a PR every single day. Right. And you're like every single day as a PR or every single day Weird. I look a little yeah. better because it's, it's just ramped up. I mean, if you, if you, you have to still do all the same stuff. You have to still eat right. You still have to do all of those components. But it's like, okay, I'm a little bit, uh, my body fat's down a little bit more today. Cool, tomorrow it's is down it, just a little bit more. Is you that see satisfying it. though than when you know that it's not natural? That's is still it satisf- still satisfying? I mean, yeah, obviously it was at the time. I guess you could call it a little more mechanical in that aspect. Like you, you, you're still doing all of the work. You're just getting a little bit more of a buyout into it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like the difference of, you know, like um, – uh, demographics that you coach. If you coach um, people that have been into, um, have been trained before, they're l- more likely to pick up on the coaching cues. So you can uh, kind of yeah. test that piece, right? As opposed to somebody else who's never really done anything. And then you may come away and think, oh man, I'm not a very good coach because they're not doing what I want. Hmm. Um, this shows you that, yeah, you're, you're totally dialed in, but it also kind of takes away that genetic component. Because obviously some people change way faster some people do not but Mm -hmm. when you're on stuff like you're gonna make a difference and you're gonna change fast like really fast let's say you you're one of those guys that like just doesn't get calves i'm not that guy by the way i've seen i mean can you can you can you do can can dave do i mean can you do steroids and get calves that was always kind of a point of contention that usually does if they're not going to grow they're not going to grow wow okay Mm -hmm. so it's not a miracle drug True. No, definitely not. Some people just have God-given gifts. But God you can do gifts. the one that pumps up that specific muscle. People did do that, but there's a big artery in there, and like oh. that's really sketchy. And if you've ever put a needle in there, you will instantly feel what that that is interesting in the calf. Calf envy is not. It's not easy. <laughs> you, you. There's a line. There's a line. Truth. There's a line in there where um, 
By the way, Dave just won the Ragnar race with those legs. Not one. Yeah, he won the CrossFit. His team won the CrossFit. Um, yeah, Ragnar race. I saw that. They That's did cool. fantastic. The CrossFit division. Yeah, and and third overall. And took a took a bike out there to use for like recovery in between stuff, right? Like out in the mm -hmm. wilderness, there was like the bike that was cool. And oh, and Dave sent me the individual times, and he and I want to say he his cumulative time he actually beat Rich and Dan. Oh, nice. oh yeah, yeah, Dude, that's amazing. right? Dave was looking svelte before that. Yeah, he was. Dude, like I I saw him like a week mm -hmm. before. I'm like, what's going on, man? Like, what are we doing here? And like he took that serious. He didn't want to be the weak training. link. Dude, he crushed yeah. it. Yeah, it's awesome. There's a line in the book, um, and I'm sorry. I know. I know it's. A, I know it's. It's a. It's a. It's a thick book. It's not a lazy man's book. Um, I apologize if they're not. And you wrote the book four years ago, mm -hmm. so if some of these don't stick right away, I apologize. You said something in there about um, eating carbs as voluntary servitude, mm -hmm. and I took that somewhere really, really deep. Where did you take it? I want to know. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to know where you took it. <laughs> I don't even know if I can, I can, I don't, I'm not even sure if I can verbalize it, but basically like, like it was some karmic eating, like you were eating for someone else as opposed to yourself. Interesting. Karma makes me think of Buddhism and I would, interesting. I'm, um, I almost took it as like slavery. Yeah. That's, that's how I intended it to be. Uh, and, yeah. and, t and tell me what you, what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, so uh, have, have you ever read the book Ready Player One, Ernest Klein? No. no. Um, so in that they get in. They get no one in here reads. No one in here reads. Okay. Uh, I was very disappointed. This isn't an audio book, by the way. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that's I, I do all audio books. Oh yeah. It's I very disappointing. Reading Treasure Island right now. The audio. <laughs> the audio. <laughs> but it comes with a It comes with a picture book. The one yeah. Matt has. <laughs> a pop up. Yeah. The uh, uh, well, look I mean, at Jay's laughing over there and shit. Yeah, Jay. Welcome to the show, Jay. Get in the fucking mix. In the uh, in the book, they just they go into this pod so that they can go into the oasis, which is a virtual reality thing of the internet. And in it, he kind of talks about you know I'm getting lost in that that space or that. Um, and he even talks about food. Uh, how if he's eating kind of all carbohydrates and all really really bad shit, he's just paying attention to whatever the advertisements are or whatever they want and being very docile because ah. he's basically being medicated, mm. right? And that's kind of what I'm going into. You're kind of like whenever you're eating carbohydrates, you're going into that oasis and you're totally paying attention to or not paying attention to everything, right? You're either you're either been kind of docile. You've basically been neutered because you're, you're totally like, cool. I don't really need to worry about anything. All that shit that's going on over there. After you've had enough carbohydrates, you're a lot more so you're a slave tolerant. Yeah, you're a lot more tolerant to things that you wouldn't be. Not to say that Matt, you're smart. You, I you, just got lucky. You, I just read one line <laughs> out of the book and you got it. Dude, you got it. Ebooks, man. Um, there's so many. There's so many fat, great tidbits in there about diet. There's a th uh, a section in the book where you talk about. First, let me go back a second. Just a couple days ago, I was saying talking to my wife and I'm like hey all the people with all the bodies that we envy and that we want they have one thing all in common she goes what I go they do CrossFit she goes duh and I go no no I'm just joking <laughs> they eat the same fucking thing every day they're committed to their diet and they eat the same thing every morning every lunch every dinner and in your book you talk about oh the variety of life and about how using that that a little um, is a crutch. It's a workaround <laughs> mm -hmm. from being committed to a diet. Yeah. How'd you come up with that that idea? Um, the because I grew up with my mom saying variety is the key. 
about food and all that. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Eat a little cups. Eat some donuts. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, that kind of goes with that moderation thing. Like nobody's okay with a yes. moderate amount of yes. cancer. Like it's just it's just <laughs> not okay, right? Like nobody really wants that. They only really want to say that when it is convenient for them to say that. Mm. Uh, and of course, that goes into that thing that we all want to fight about when it's that that diet thing. Like we're really uppity about that one piece. Um, and what I found the most success on and for myself and for everybody else that I've counseled over the years, you know, thousands of athletes is I just call them go-to meals. And in the most successful people usually that you read out of any, any sort of organization, they try not to worry about things like what they eat or how they dress. You know, Zuckerberg wears the exact same shirt every day. Like that's one of the things he doesn't want to use that cognitive load to have to think about what he wears. Mm -hmm. And then you extrapolate that one further. I don't want to have to do that to think about what I eat. So me personally, and then what I prescribe is you eat the exact same thing every single day. Now, and that's also why I don't like recipes. I think recipes and paleo books that that have recipes on them are stifling because what you'll do in the beginning. Me too. Me too. Well, Very you'll just cook, right? You'll be like, yeah. "Dude, let's do it." Like and then you're all you're all in, right? Like you and your wife, you're like you're gung-ho about it. Cool. And then when that novelty wears off, you're thinking, oh shit, I gotta cook for an hour and a half. So that's the last thing you're gonna do. You didn't make it simple in any way. You made it really, really complicated. Mm. And it's great in the beginning. And then when you get tired, when you've had a long day, when you guys are in a hurry, you're done. Right? That's good. You're not gonna do Two it. Two hard boiled eggs, a carrot, and some broccoli, and a cup of coffee. Let's roll. Yeah, that's so that's, <laughs> that's exactly it, right? Like go to meals. It can be simple, but also the more times you do certain recipes, they just, to me, they're simple. As long as the recipe itself is simple. Like mine is I eat a pound of hamburger, broccoli, Brussels sprouts at every at two meals a day, and that's it. That is 90% of the meals. In 10 years, you're going to be vegetarian. Actually, I was just a vegetarian. I, I see you going really? down the path. I just did it. You I did. just did it. Yeah. yeah I just finished my uh, for real vegetarian experiment mm -hmm. uh, a couple months ago. So in the book, I <laughs> talked about it, and I specifically cheated in that book. And I went as what I would consider mainstream vegetarian, which is just an excuse to eat carbohydrates. Uh, That's oh mainstream. Yeah. Tell me, what's the difference between mainstream vegetarian? That's what mainstream vegetarian is. Like you just wanna, you just want an excuse to eat carbohydrate. Name some. Oh, I want to eat pasta all day or like oh, you know oh. shit that isn't good for you. Or, so like that's, ve or vegetarian or vegan knockoffs. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, like imitations of. Yeah, you're you're doing it. Like you're not you're not hurting an animal in any way, and that's great. Like I love that component. And that's why I did it more for the ethics of it. But you're doing it in a really unhealthy way. You're just filling your diet with you know. Cheerios all day or whatever it is. Right? Unhealthy like, for you and for the <clears throat> the environment. That's not sustainable. Right. What, what is it? Vegetarianism? Yeah. I mean, it's, really? all, it's all processed. I mean, depending right? on what you eat. Yeah, definitely. What now, when I, when I did it the second time, though, I did it the right way. So I went um, low-carb, paleo, uh, vegetarian. And that was super challenging. But what about having a, di a di diverse microbiome? When you're go like going back to the variety thing. So, like you're talking about, don't you want to have diversity in your diet? Not from the what? Well, not from what I've seen running actual blood work. Like, there's, n I guess, there's nothing that comes back negative off of doing something that is not diverse. Okay. So, I guess, I guess, in that aspect, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, as far as shouldn't I try to get all of my micros in, right? Because I'm gonna have right. a deficiency. So cool. Can we test that and then see where it goes? And I actually get blood work done about, now it's a lot looser, now it's about every six months. Um, but I would get blood work done about every three months and nothing ever comes back bad. And then there's the spectrum, the full spectrum test, which mm -hmm. actually shows all of your, your Matt, micro. Matt's on the spectrum, okay. is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I drink a kombucha every I week, I got great I mean, health. I guess Wait a second, Kara, <laughs> can't you just not wash your fruit and get tons of microbiome? Well, I, I was more, I was more thinking the 
having the same thing every single day. And I, I guess you still can have a, a div- diverse. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I see what you're saying too. So you're almost talking about like a food allergy, like even building up a food allergy by eating the exact same thing. Yeah. 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 Something like that. And I think that. Or not getting all the, the, the nutrients and vitamins from like a variety of different vegetables. And if yep. you're having the same thing every day, I mean, if you are having the same healthy thing every day, I guess that's true. Helpful, but. And I'm taking it. You can swap out spinach for broccoli True. And beets, like that. and beets for broccoli, or you can switch the saying. pear for the apple. Yeah, totally. yeah. yeah, but but still, every morning. But it's still really it's, similar. It's an omelet with a bunch of green shit in yep. it, a bunch of green shit on exactly. the side. Right. Well, exactly. I'm I want to know what you ate on your vegetarian paleo diet. Where were you getting your protein from? So that's a, a little bit of beans, uh, contention, no, because I wouldn't consider that paleo, right? So you can't do beans. Oh, you were doing Yeah, oh, so that's man. the hard part. So here, so the reason the I did it. He wrote a book with the word paleo in it. There's no beans. Yeah, so, <laughs> but the reason that I did it was was for animals. Like, I mean, I think my favorite thing is just, you know, like dogs and animals. And so obviously we don't eat that. But uh, just thinking that. When we, I was vegetarian, that was the exact same reason, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. 100%. I, was ve- I was vegan. Yeah, Dutch, I feel like that's the, the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of people. Yeah, it had nothing that's to cool. do with especially health. veganism. Nothing yeah. to do with health. In that's no cool. way do I believe it's more healthy in any way. It's mm. more about like I just ethically I don't I don't like knowing that I had to kill something to eat it and like that to to be but able to put that in there. The to me ultimate is, sacrifice. But something has to die for anything to grow for you to have your spinach or your. Agreed. Yeah, totally. Something's go, gonna Kara. die. Totally. I totally. Go ahead agree. and justify your cow killing care all <laughs> you want. It's such a tricky subject. It is. It is. And I, but I tested it for 30 days, and this here's the thing that you're asking. So I had 24 eggs a day. Before. During being vegetarian, so eggs, not vegan, vegetarian. So, so eggs are cool. Oh, okay, and gotcha. Vegetarian, yeah. Lacto-ova vegetarian, yeah. Okay. Yep. So I did 24 eggs a day, then still did uh, 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 lettuce and broccoli and Brussels sprouts are my primary sources. And then about. 26 days into it when my stomach was just constantly hurting i took about 12 eggs out and found the only um paleo low carb vegetarian burger which was like a beyond burger is what it's called mm-hmm. and what i is did it? that sounds, sounds delicious uh, can you get that online pea protein <laughs> probably pea protein, pea protein. Okay, yeah. it's probably the only place i'm actually you can get talking it. to somebody at our gym that is vegetarian and trying to figure out the protein sources so only one use. i found the okay. only one. The Keep rest of them are peas. soy, which is mm-hmm. not paleo, or they are just an excuse to eat a whole bunch of carbohydrates. The right. pea, those little green things? Yeah. Dude. It's so funny. Of all the baby foods that I would ever buy, my wife would always tell me, do not get anything with peas in it. She, had, she didn't want the baby to eat peas for some reason. I wonder why that is. I'll ask her. That I don't know, but I think it's also the primary component in paleoethics their supplement i think that's what they use oh, pea in their protein yeah. yeah i want to say i okay. think that's their and right. their vegetarian one because mm. i've taken that before too and i'm pretty sure that that was the only one that was paleo low carb dude can we get back on 24 eggs a day 24 oh dude it's i don't know if i could do that if i try so i would i would do that Guess obviously you split it up you get 12 <laughs> and 12 at uh you know 12 o'clock and then 12 at eight o'clock and then you just sit there and it took about 40 five minutes to be able to get through the food what was your preferred oh, method we would hard fry boil. them hard boil them hard all? boil did you eat the um yellows oh, too man, oh yeah hey stinky. one night i ate a jar of pepperoncinis and six eggs <laughs> before i went to bed <laughs> you, had, you had to sleep outside <laughs> oh, shit. this is a couple of weeks ago do not do that <laughs> oh i remember the next See, day yeah i told you about See, it you have to tell stories to know what not to do oh right? man that was, yeah i really enjoyed the process of eating it though pepperoncinis are yeah. so good pepperoncinis and eggs yeah like three pepperoncinis with every hard boiled egg oh my god <laughs> <laughs> now we know 
So yeah, that experiment was great. I mean, how it, long did that last? Uh, thirty days. Thirty days. I made yeah. it thirty days. So that's six hundred uh, and <laughs> fucking. Yeah. Are you doing the math? I've never done the math. I don't want to know the math. The math really is scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to think about the math. The math is scary. That's really helpful. That's for a skateboard move. That Seven twenty. <laughs> On a caliper test. Uh-huh. Caliper test. I, I want to say that I started at seven percent, and it took me to nine. Oh, you so went up. I gained 2%. Can you tell? Part. Like, you look huh. in the mirror and be like, I'm a little soft. Oh, yeah, I got pictures on the website. Yeah, well, I mean, an egg is a pretty high-fat protein source. Um, five, I, five I tried grams, to keep right? the macros the same, but there was a little bit more of a carbohydrate because I would eat um, more, actually, just more Brussels sprouts. And that mm. was, pretty mu- was pretty much the exact same thing throughout the entire time. <laughs> yeah. are, are you a good mate? A good mate. Like, oh. are you good? Um, are you, uh, you have a girlfriend, right? I do, yeah, chastity. Um, are you married? No. Um, I wasn't married for 20 years either with my mate. Mm. Probably that shit will end up happening to you too and kids. I'm telling you, watch out. <laughs> yeah, know. it's the forecasting like you're going there's a lot of, there's some projections. He's like, yeah, he keeps here. coming at me with uh, that. Are you a good, um, are you a good mate? Are you I'm good? a lot better than what I used to be. Yeah. Like a lot better. Like, and a lot of that kind of comes with just doing cross. Uh, I would really attribute a lot of that to learning CrossFit and all the things that come into coaching. Like, I think that it, mm. extra- totally. it bleeds over communication. Oh man. Like you really learned the shit not to do. Did right. she know you when you were a lesser mate? Yeah. Like, have you improved on the job with her? Oh, yeah. Huge. Yeah, huge. Um, and, I mean, not trying to, like, brag about it, but, like, do you, after you make so many mistakes, you either make that decision to stop fucking up or <laughs> you, like, you know, you just go down further the rabbit hole. And I, you know, made the decision one day to be like, okay, cool. Let's go the other way. Yeah. And what, then, are, what are some, what's that? Well, is that part of your um, big theme in the book is be better today <laughs> yeah. than yesterday? Yep. Wake up in the morning. Is that part of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be a better mate today than I was to her yesterday. I, but I don't, I don't know if that actually comes into thinking. I think that that, that should happen by way of you wanting to be a better human. Um, I want to be a better human for me, and that should be able to be better for her also. Like that, I don't think that has to be separate. I think me wanting to be a, a better version of me should help everybody. I shouldn't have to detach that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that may be a bad way of looking at that. Superficial things like keeping your dishes clean or more mine specifically Mm -hmm. is listening um you know like i i really want to i are really hard for me to think like i already don't know the answer so i don't want to listen to the other person that would be coming at me in that relationship Mm -hmm. aspect um another thing is patience i feel like when you coach all day long the last thing you have to give the person that you love the most is listening and Mm -hmm. repetition and that kind of you know everything they have to give like you don't want to be patient for that Hmm. um because you've done it all day long and you're just kind of absent of that and that was kind of my one of my main pieces is to also give her um attention um the way that she needed to have it not necessarily the way that i want to give it um and then kind of working on yourself though like you know like that comes with like daily meditation that comes with reflecting are you strong enough to sit there in your own shit and really look at all the things that you do poorly yeah it's tough that's really hard. And like for me, like I totally avoided that for a really, really long time. And then again, like you mess up enough that you're like, okay, cool. What do, why do you keep making this mistake? Can you fix that? And does she notice it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How long have you been together? Eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, con- eight con- years. Congratulations. That's, that's like over, you're, you're over the hump. Yeah. I, I approve. She, uh, yeah, she, uh, <laughs> we, we, we kind of knew each other. Before CrossFit, she was doing the exact same thing where she was personal training, um, and I was doing that. And then we kind of came together right when we uh, opened up practice CrossFit, um, and then she started training and coaching, doing CrossFit. Nice. 
there's a there's there's a part in the book uh, uh, a subject that I've joked around about a lot in my 20 years of kind of having this in my consciousness. Uh, I, I'll tell you a story um, that I found hugely amusing. Probably only one or two people will find it amusing. My my girlfriend at the time, who's now my girlfriend and my wife, she was in <laughs> India, and her and her friend were um, downstairs in the living room talking. And the third roommate comes downstairs and goes, "Will you guys shut the fuck up? I'm trying to meditate." Hmm. <laughs> that's uh, that's like leaving church and then being pissed off right when you you turn right out of the church. And we're laughing, and, and she tells me that story, and I'm dying laughing. And the <clears throat> the essence of that is, it's not the honking car outside your window at three in the morning that's bothering you. It's the story you're telling yourself. Yeah about the honking car. And so she's mm. coming downstairs to yell at them about being too loud. Their noise is part of her meditation practice. She's letting them fuck with their stimulus. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. She, it's, well played. It's, well played. She, and, and if you do get angry, meditation is about watching that anger. It's not about reacting to that anger. Right. That being said, let us jump to page 38. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Speaking of page 38. Um, uh, uh, met, met, uh, so 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 you you refer to like uh, um, you compare Christians who hate gay people to um, wow this is going bad already like, <laughs> man, like, shit I wrote that well like, I've used that before too wow okay. I've used that I before hope this too. goes really I've, I've used in a that good one before too like how could you be Christian and hate the gay carnal people carnal man strikes like, again I love Christianity and I hate the thought of Christians hating gay people sure yeah okay. But then you compare that to meditating in the morning and getting trashed at night. Yeah. And I don't like, I'm not digging that comparison no? at all. No, no, no. Why? But, but I mean, it could be just for purely ego reasons. Because I meditate in the morning and I get trashed at night. <laughs> what? Sorry. Go on. So, so, so I, I have this one in, okay. in rebuttal to it. Okay. There's two monks and they walk up to their master. And the first monk says to the master, Can I smoke? Well, I meditate. And the master says, no. And the second monk says to the master, can I meditate while I smoke? And the master says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you feeling me on that a little bit? Um, you feeling me on that? I'm, I'm struggling with that. I'm str can, you, can you tease that out for me a little bit more? I get it. I get. I get what you're. All right. All right. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. I just want to say. I, I mean, and maybe this is my um, inability to. Um, you bring up. Uh, I'm looking for variety. As, I'm using variety as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> to not be healthy, but I think that. Um, go ahead. I guess that. I guess that when uh, when you go with meditation, and when I really, I really love the, like the Buddhist philosophy and everything that kind of comes with that. Um, I guess you can make it a religion, and, and people do that, and that's fine. And I guess I don't understand enough to be able to really communicate with that. But part of like the eightfold path is not harming the body. Um, so that's where I kind of get with like meditation. And meditation, again, like you said, it doesn't have in, have to have anything to do with Buddhism. Right. Meditation is just the act of noticing. That's it. Can you notice the moment? And what, however that works for you, is it staring at a candle? Is it uh, TM meditation? Like whatever, whatever that is, I think that people don't do that. You're either living in the past or you're living in the future. Nobody ever really wants to get stuck in the now and really sit with that. And that's, that's kind of Regardless of the stimulus do, or the 
the whatever you're getting from it, do not react. And it's that really, is like one of the cornerstones of meditation, to not react. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, there really shouldn't be a, a thought of, there should be no expectation of going in to get something out of it. Right. If you're already going in and with the idea of getting a return, you've already kind of started in a really bad mm. spot. Um, a lot of the Buddhist stuff is having no expectation. Um, so that's I go in to well, be able to come out and check off the box that I meditated. It's <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Notice the present moment. Mm. Yeah. Well, what we've if, we've I stimulated mean, Jay. I like it, and it, the <laughs> voice was so sultry, mm. like it came in like yeah. that. Oh, it's so good. What if you're recognizing that present moment, and you happen to be a couple glasses deep, like your your evening, like Rumi. So is that? I mean, was it, that the girl who that meditated that and ran downstairs? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, say that again. Was that the girl that meditated and ran downstairs and screamed at you, Rumi? No, no, no. Rumi is the drunk poet. Look oh, up his shit. He's amazing. Do you know Rumi? <laughs> I do not. R-U-M-I. Amazing, okay. amazing poet. Okay. So if you smoke and then meditate, he, the monk's saying that's okay. So you're just in the moment recognizing that you're smoking. You're watching, you're smoking. That's part of what's well, happening. I, I, so, sure. is that so you're So you'd be thinking at that point in time, I'm smoking, right? right? It's the same thing as like when you're doing the dishes. Like to be meditative, you need to think I'm doing the dishes, not I have to do all these things removed. And then that you can take that to like the eating portion. Like if you're eating this delicious steak, but all you're thinking about is, man, I really want that pear. So all you're thinking about when you're, you're eating the steak the is the pear. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you're never going to enjoy this. And then therefore right. you're never going to enjoy that. So yeah. Right. You totally. know what? You know when I screw up the most is when I'm in the shower. That's when I'm in my. That's thing. in my least meditative state. Isn't that a bizarre thing? Because I'll finish showering and not even and have been like somewhere totally, not have smelt the soap, not of like. Well, it's a it's a chore. It's a job that you have to get done. Yeah, it's like Actually, brushing your teeth. But it's also one of the most creative times. So that's uh, that's right. that's out there a lot. That if you really want to be creative, that's one of the places that you will you will come up with your ideas. I spend mm-hmm. my shower time rehearsing scenarios throughout my day in the morning. Wow. Like if like I know mentally that I, processing? Yeah, like I, I play out the scenario in my head, how I would like for it to go and the things that I would like to say. And I go over it a couple times. And it's almost it's like not huh. even on purpose. It's just that's how I go through it. Sounds like something Michael Jordan would do before a final game or something. No, you, you made the comparison. <laughs> when you get stuck in writing, like that's a trick. Go take a shower. Like totally. Someone told me yesterday if they had to pick top 20 CrossFit affiliates in the world, and I'm going to tell you this person has not been to all 14,500 affiliates, so please no one get upset. Um, but that practice CrossFit would be on their list of top 20 CrossFit affiliates. That being said, Ooh, yeah. easy. I, I, I that's really throw, generous. I don't know. Like that's easy. When I, when I went to um, UC Santa Barbara, I said to my friend one time, I go, wow, that's the hottest girl in the school. And he goes, you've said that 20 times today. I go, I know there's like 200 of them. <laughs> so so may, maybe there's many top 20. Yeah, days. exactly. But your gym is amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that's still, that's very generous coming from a community of absolutely amazing people. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think we've just been around for a really long time. Um, I guess the best way to say that kind of where we've been around is I don't remember a community when we started. Like, there really wasn't a community. Mm-hmm. Like, we really did sort of figure it out, right? Like, we didn't get in on it and say, man, this community's great. I want to open an affiliate. When I, when I did it, I'd never mm-hmm. known 
that there was a such thing as doing it together. The only videos we had online at the time was like Annie or like Greg A. Like it was nobody doing it as a yeah, it was nobody doing it as a group. So I never knew that you did it as a group. And then I went to my very first certification right when we opened up, and we did seventy people at the same time. And what year was that? Two thousand seven. Oh, and when you say seventy people, that's when there were thirty five trainers and thirty five participants, right? (laughs) Like, do you remember that? Yeah, there was a lot. Dave was my flow master. Yeah. Dave was my flow master, and that's and and it was the so funny story about that, right? Dave was giving the um, don't do anything that's going to compromise your job. Just for, <laughs> just for the sake of ratings. Thank you, thank you for tossing <laughs> that yep, out. Yep, yep. Uh, Dave was actually going over the kind of how you run the business side of it. Um, and the affiliate owner at the time was was kind of over in the corner, and Dave was go- walking us all through it. And he's at the board. And, and again, Dave was Flowmaster at this time, right? And, like, I'd never met Dave or, or done anything like that. And But we did have our gym had just opened up. And this was the only cert I could go to because there was no certs. Like, everything was in California. I'm in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Like you had nothing and I had to wait. Barely any video on the internet at that point. Yeah. Barely any. And I'm just, uh, you had to wait because I'm like, I don't have the money to fly out there. Like we're <coughs> poor. I just opened this place up. I w- took money from a venture capitalist. I don't even know what the hell that is. Like it was this whole <laughs> ordeal. So finally a cert came out like two months after we were opened up. And Dave is explaining, yeah, we do three on one off, three on wait, one off. Wait, you could open a gym without having gone to a seminar when you opened your it gym? It wasn't a CrossFit, right? Like I had to wait before I could call it. Oh, I just you opened the gym, but practice, you did, right. And then I oh, waited okay. to be able to call okay. it practice wow. CrossFit. Yeah, got it, I, got there it. wasn't a cert. Wow. Um, and then we, uh, the Dave was explaining, you know, three on, one off. That's how we train. Um, and he's like, this is how we've seen that people get uh, the most fit. And, they, you know, this was mm-hmm. 2007. He's going over it. Um, and the affiliate owner's like, well, you can't run a business three on one off. You have to give them a schedule. And he's like, and Dave says, you know, in front of the entire class, he's like, I don't give a shit how you run your business. I'm telling you how to get the most fit. And I was like, I'll follow that guy anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I came from the, I came from that shit of lying to people for a living, hating myself for it. And then the guy who's supposed to be selling CrossFit is like, I'm not selling you shit. This yeah. is the right way, and you should do it that way. Yeah. If you don't want right. to, that's your fault. Yeah. And, like, I was like, oh, man. And I remember I woke right over to him, like, what do I got to do to, like, do more of this? Like, I don't know <laughs> what this is yet, but tell me whatever I got to do. And from that point on, like, I was like, man. And I already loved coach to death. But, again, kind of talking to that, like, okay, there's coach and there's Dave. This is what everybody in CrossFit feels like. Like, mm-hmm. we all feel that exact same passion mm-hmm. for that and, like, to be involved in that in any capacity, and that's kind of like where I do like the regional directing and, or mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, it's just to kind of help the voice that I love in any way that I can get to more people. Mm-hmm. Or if there's something that I really truly feel like there shouldn't ever happen, I'd at least have a voice to be like, I don't think that's a good idea. I think that's all of our jobs being CrossFit, and specifically the longer you've been in it, to take those stances and be like, yeah, we need to touch on more people this way. Um, and you were talking about earlier, like the people that you show off via like, you know, Instagram or whatever social media is. I show them off because I love them because it's cool as shit to be able to take somebody who's never right. done anything and they get a first pull up. Totally. I really don't care, again, about making somebody that has a 300 pound snatch get a 302 pound snatch. Like, right. it's cool. What's the secret to having a great gym? What are the mistakes you've made? Oh, man. Oh, gosh. So the mistakes that I've made, probably some of the biggest ones are not 
are trying to completely bash people meth- with methodology instead of meeting them where they are and kind of loving them as a person. Um, or trying to make it about how much I love CrossFit as a methodology from a coaching standpoint instead of just making it about you will be able to feel better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I really – you better buy into what I'm telling you or I'm going to be really mad at you. You know, like in the, mm-hmm. in the beginning, like that's how vested I am in that instead of looking at you as a person and just being like, can we just make your squat better? Right. Can we just make your squat better today? And then you would eventually years come along and you'd be – obviously over to my side without me having to punch you in right, the face. Right, people will get there. Yeah, yeah totally. exactly. And mine was like, no, you better believe it now. Yeah. Like, you better be 100% sold in on it. And that's how I was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're in your third space? Uh, yeah, yeah, very good. 10,000 square feet? 10,000 square feet. We just recently purchased it wow. a year ago. Wow. Bought wow. the building. Congrats. Congratulations. Thank yep, thank you. Did you ever pay back the $40,000 you borrowed to start your gym? Yeah, yeah. Seven, you didn't change your name? Seven years to be able to do that yeah is your brother still a partner no no so he got married had a kid and then he was kind of just there for me so that that kind of helped out that he was there he's that he's that big doctor who came in with the guy with all the tattoos and he gave me legitimacy why do you have tattoos uh i thought it looked cool how long have you had them 10 years what advice would you give to someone who wants tattoos who has none Go to somebody who's really, really expensive and really, really good. Not the guy that I go to. Like, <laughs> Why? What's wrong with your tattoo? Uh, they just weren't really thought through, and we did it freehand. Like, we just, he went in, he drew on me with a blue pen, and then we went through it. Um, mine was pr- should have been more thought out. Like, he's a good tattoo artist, but, like, it really should have been something that we thought through instead of just drawing. But you're living with it. Yeah. I mean, there's no other choice. What's the next thing? Just get it all blacked in. Can, can you remove it? I think you can. Yeah, but you like it. Yeah. Because part of me is like, I'm getting like double vibe from you. Like, maybe you don't like it. And no, I like, you it. like it. Yeah, okay, I like okay. it. I would have, I would have chosen now going back on it to put a little bit more thought into it. And it, it's one tattoo. It starts here and it goes all the way up to here. Mm-hmm. When I see people with, um, covered in tattoos, maybe even more extreme than yours, like the ones on the necks and like starting on the legs and stuff, my immediate play thing is, is like, okay, it's replacing something. Oh, like something they've lost as a human? No, maybe like an addiction. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, like they had their run with meth. They had their run with alcohol. Yep. Now they're having their run at being healthy. Yep. They're in the, hopefully the final phase. Yeah. Is that, is that replacing something? What, 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 do you remember the thoughts you had that was like, okay, oh, do you remember the inciting incident? Yeah. And it's really, <laughs> I, go. I do, I like that. I, I, it's really, uh. I wish it was better, but like it's, to- <laughs> I, do. I so wish it was better, but it's just like from movies. Like I would watch a movie and I'm like, dude, I love that. And I remember two movies specifically. I remember watching Blade with like Wesley Snipes and that shit mm. came up on his neck and I'm like, I'm getting that. As soon as I'm 18, <laughs> I'm getting that. Like no, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. And like it totally, that was, that was the first thing. Uh, and then I saw another one with like Kevin Bacon because Kevin Bacon's in everything in the world. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, death sentence and this bad guy and it had the exact same thing. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> totally getting that. I mean, that's like two votes for it right there. And then that was it. I wish it was better. I said, I'm going to come up with something better. Are you going to get any more? Yeah. Uh, what are you getting next? Uh, Snow Lion. What's that? 
Uh, oh, Snow, Snow Lion. Snow Lion. Where are yeah. you getting that? Uh, where will I get it? Mm-hmm. I will get it on my chest, but uh, that will be my next one. That's kind of like the Buddhist uh, deity that means unending courage and forever cheerfulness. And I think <laughs> that that's the main thing about being out of box. You constantly are cheerful for everybody that comes in, mm-hmm. um, and you have to be courageous to be able to go up to everybody constantly day after day and throw yourself out there and be able mm. to, you know, coach. Even if shit's so going like sideways a, for you at home. Like constantly. Yeah, tattoo. and that's a, that's a, one of the things we've used as a logo on our shirts and stuff. I put the snow lion on everything, oh, cool. um, just because it's, you know, that's what it makes me think. That's what it makes me think a coach is: is you're constantly cheerful and you're always courageous. Do you know the um, Taoist saying, like "Stop thinking, and all your problems will end"? I don't, but I like it. I, I, and that's one of the things about giving. When you're giving and being selfless, that's one of the immediate benefits you get. I like that. Right. Hmm. You speak about Warburg. Yeah. The only other person I've ever heard talk about Warburg is Greg Glassman. Okay. That's awesome, but yeah. And um, where did you learn about Warburg? Oh, shit. Um, I mean, he's, he's all over tripping over the truth, but that's right. not where I learned about Travis Chris- Christofferson. Fantastic book. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have him in here as a guest. You should. I'd love for you to be in here to translate any shit when he starts getting like, out of line. Couldn't, <laughs> I probably couldn't at all, but thank you for that. Um, but uh, definitely a good book, but I gosh, man. I've known, I've read about Warburg since probably 2004, 2005. We were given uh, little nutritional like symposiums or seminars or whatever you want to call it where you just talk about food back in 2005 and just, you know, people would be in the audience and they'd be like, that's bullshit. Like, you're going to die if you do that. <laughs> if, you, if you don't eat a carbohydrate tomorrow, you will be dead. Your brain needs that to survive. And I'm like, it doesn't. Like, it's fine. And like, now everybody's on board. Like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, we get that. Like, we understand it. Like, mm-hmm. it took that long. And I'm like, man, we were talking about this stuff, like, Do you know, know forever right. ago. Right. Do, tell, tell the people who are listening who Warburg is. So Otto Warburg, I believe it was t- 1923, and I'm, I could totally be wrong about this. He got a Nobel Prize for basically discovering, and I, I paraphrase, the cure for cancer. And he figured out basically that cancer is fed by sugar. So essentially, I guess it really wasn't curing it as much as not feeding it. So mm. if we don't give it sugar, all, all of a sudden, it's not around anymore. Right. And that then all of a sudden, he's kind of voted <laughs> off the <laughs> island maybe 15 years later. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if my timeline's right, and I'm sure there'll be some internet folks who can totally gum me up on that. I'm sure the sun will rise. Yeah, so, uh, so, but he kind of gets, you don't hear much about the guy anymore after that. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of where I take into it, that we sort of around that time, we discovered how profitable treatment could be. So <laughs> instead of fixing anything, why don't we just try to treat everything? And then you get mm-hmm. people in that endless cycle. But Warburg is kind of the guy that discovered that sugar is the cause for yeah, any kind of malady you really want to talk about, at least the, the, the very simple cause that we can all grasp a hold of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of goes with uh, breast cancer and all, a whole bunch of other autoimmune diseases that we have to worry about. I, I want to say his wiki page is incredible. I want to say that he won, he won two Nobel Prizes and that he wasn't allowed to collect his second one because Hitler mm-hmm. wouldn't let him. I think. I think that's true. Okay. I should have read a little bit more. Um, and, and did you ever see the letter Albert Einstein wrote him? No, I don't think you so. You would love that. I don't think so. So he was, he was, it was during World War I, and, and Warburg was on the front lines fighting, and um, he had never met Einstein. And I want to say maybe Warburg's mom or someone got a hold of Einstein and said, hey, my son's on the front line. And Einstein did some research and was like, holy shit, this guy is going to contribute so much to the fucking world. He cannot be on the front line. Mm-hmm. So he sent Otto a, a letter, and that letter is in the wiki page. It basically says, hey, dude, get the fuck off the front line. You're one of the smartest dudes alive on the planet today. Come the fuck home. Is that in the book? 
And Dang. Oh, tripping over oh, the maybe it is. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I so was I thinking. I, I was thinking I saw it on the wiki page, but maybe I saw it in the book. Paraphrasing or something. Yeah, because yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I do it's, remember that. Yep. It's really romantic. Uh, okay. Like yeah. I like it. Yeah. By romantic, I don't mean like sexual, but I like you know what I mean. It's like intimate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it yeah. is in the book. Yeah, yeah it yeah, is in yeah. the book. Yep. Now I remember that. <clears throat> Tell me about uh, ketosis. Um, so what is ketosis? I think the generally accepted term is under 100 grams of carbohydrates, but basically it's where you burn fat for fuel and you're really not ingesting carbohydrates. Can and, I, and I'm learning about all this stuff as I read your book. Learn. I mean, actually, you know, I know a lot about it just working here at CrossFit and from all these mm -hmm. um, diet people and Greg and you know tripping over the truth. And I was fascinated to see so much of it in your book and talking about it and really getting into some stuff. Um, but every time I see ketosis, and you work intimately with the games, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is your job at the games right now? At the games, I'm just kind of running a specific competition field. So, like, the Coliseum would mm -hmm. be, like, a, a field of play. Okay. Uh, the, no the north pad where we were outside okay. would be, like, a field of play. Okay. Um, so, like, usually the directors will all just kind of take a spot. So you ran one of the venues. This last year, no, I had oh. an athlete actually of mine made it, um, so I was lucky enough to be able to coach for my first time nice. uh, at the games. Oh shit! Is that um, frowned upon by the games team because they lost a valuable player like yourself? I appreciate you think I'm a valuable player. Um, <laughs> the uh, was it frowned upon? No, um, not to your face. Uh, well, so <laughs> here's what. So like, you know what we say around here: if you're not at the table, I called a, you're on I, the menu. I called uh, J Mac, and I'm like, hey, I got great news. And he's like, don't bullshit me. Like, what are, what are you talking about? And I told him, and it kind of came And what's J-Mac's role at the games? Uh, J-Mac is the, he's kind of over everything at the games, right? So J-Mac is the go-between between Dave, JB, um, and everybody else. He makes So he's sure really important there. Super important. Yeah, okay. like without J-Mac, like we all just like, nobody knows, you know, like it's really, really hard to function without J-Mac. Okay. Um, super, super good leader. Um, keeps everybody on track. And I, I, you know, that was the first conversation was like, Hey man, I got an athlete and I really, we've been working towards that for almost three years and I don't, I can't live with not being there for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's the cool thing is everybody in CrossFit totally understands that. Right. Cool. Good. Go do that. Cool. Like, Hey, when you're not doing that, then I'll, I'll show you some of these other components. So I got to shadow J Mac and see what he does and help him out and, you know, do all kinds of like little and ancillary oh, jobs that, so you kind of did, but you did a little bit of both did everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to kind of run all the little, little pieces that either he couldn't do at that particular point in time, just like little offshoots and, and got to see how a lot of the other things go, but also got to see what it's like from the other side. Um, cause I've been doing games for, you know, however long, 2010 or whatever. Are you a regional director? Yeah. For yeah, what yeah. region? Central. Is, does that region still exist? Yeah. I know there's all, there was a shuffle up this year. There was. Okay. Yeah, okay. definitely. Uh, Central's still there. Is uh, that the one Rich is in? Yeah. Oh, so you got a good seat. I do. <laughs> Actually, I think that's the one Dan Bailey's in. That's what I meant. Yeah. Isn't that what I said? <laughs> I just saw Dan the other day. Yeah. I just saw Dan. He's, uh, he's living in Columbus now. Hey, he's got a house. Yeah. 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 He, he's been grounded. He's been grounded. Well, you know, I mean, like he's like he's got a house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. just needs a, a, a female in his life, and it's he's be nailed to the cross. I figured metaphorically you'd have speaking, I figured, of course, yeah. metaphorically. Of course. I thought you'd have him one after the last <laughs> podcast you did with him. I mean, that was like we were on it, right? Oh man, yeah. that was <laughs> so overtly pimping for Dan. I know, right? That's what oh I thought. God. I thought he'd have like lines waited for Dan Bailey. Carnal man was just trying to help. Carnal man. <laughs> so ketosis is. No car or minimal carbs. Correct. 
will that so so that's is that the healthiest way to eat i think that to stay in ketosis to burn to burn fat instead of carbs instead of glucose as your primary energy source i think it is yeah i think when we say get off the carbs and get off the couch that's kind of what we're talking about do i think that you actually have to be in ketosis to be the epitome of health not for necessarily everybody but for me for instance like i said i'm i'm just like a fat kid that just really wants to be fat so like i have to not have carbohydrates uh, at any point in time um, now my girlfriend chastity like she can eat carbohydrates at every meal she can eat six meals a day like that's just the way she functions that's not how how i come back um, and we've tried it different ways with her and it doesn't really seem to work mm. uh, she has to eat breakfast i don't eat at all like i haven't ate breakfast in 10 years so like wow. that's just you know those pieces that now and then when you again when you test them with most people that i would say something like don't eat breakfast don't eat carbohydrates they do really really well like way better than what they ever have performance wise, um, body fat wise, all that kind of stuff. Now you do that with like a chastity and all of a sudden performance goes down. And right. then you even give her that, that experiment time frame where you're like, you can't do it for two days. You have to do this for like a while. Mm-hmm. Still goes down. So that's how you kind of play that into each person. Uh, you kind of, you kind of answered my question. I thought I was going to th- ask you the hardest question <coughs> in your life just now, but you may have, you may have created enough wiggle room so that you don't have to answer it. We've always sort of viewed CrossFit as, your performance and your diet will go up together at the same time, right? Your, your numbers aren't going to lie. If your diet shit, your numbers will come down, right? But in ketosis, with a diet without carbs, does, does a games athlete like Matt Frazier, does a diet like that add 10 seconds to his friend and make it impossible for him to win the CrossFit Games? And I guess is what you're saying is at that level – I, what I are you saying? Only, I'm, I think I'm, there's I'm, only I'm one way to find out. I'm trying to understand if they're in conflict. Oh, you mean do the test on Matt? I think there needs to be an experiment on it. And yeah. I know that some a- I know that some games athletes have experimented with ke- ketosis. I don't know how long it. I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. I'm trying to say like, and I asked Greg the same question, and Greg's thing is like, who gives a fuck if your friend is two ten or two oh eight or, yeah. or two fifteen? And right. and I and I really appreciate that. But for this small population of five sure. or six hundred athletes in the world who actually think that they have an ability to get to the games, um, are they not eating the diet that's most optimal to their health and their longevity? And are they eating for performance? And is there is there a difference? Is there a difference? Is there a difference? Yeah, yeah. I've been. I mean, I've, it's really. Um, well, you're tinkering, and that's fun. It's like jerking off talk, right? But, I mean... <laughs> but it's fun to But there's know. a lot of people jerking off, so let's <laughs> this, talk about it. Well, this is what we do. Like, uh-huh. I think it's really, really fun to dive into that stuff. Like, what, And I think you're exactly right. I think, first off, you take the person, and then what are you going to try for the next 10 days? And then what are you going to try for the next 10 days? And then what are you really willing to put in and right. take out? And most people aren't willing to do anything like that. So you're right. always just kind of going off of, eh, somebody told me this works. I tried it. I guess it works. Right. That's not really scientific. Like, you really didn't just try this food for this amount of time. So that'd be the first piece is that I definitely um, try that. Then you kind of get with like the rich froning effect, like, right? Like almost everything that guy does seems to work for rich. It's really the Matt (laughs) Fraser effect now. The Matt Fraser effect, right? 2018. Gotcha. Or 17, 18. Close to 18. One of those two. One of those two. I just don't want you to date yourself. Gotcha. Touching on this subject too, I feel like most people that you talk to who are successful with their diet didn't just start with the one they're on. 
Like, yeah. They've been like, oh, yeah, I've tried everything. You know, I've tried this, that, and that. And so I think there's that familiarity with it and understanding and tinkering yeah. to get to that point to find out what works for you because it's almost impossible. It's like throwing a, a dart at a dartboard, right? Yeah. Blindfolded. You're not yep. going to get it right the first time. No, I totally agree. And but I think that also goes with um, that's kind of like you know when you're when you're doing weightlifting. Like the better and better you get at like a snatch, right? So you get faster, your pull gets stronger. All of a sudden, your timing's off, so you kind of perceivably get worse. So you have to go back and fix something. That's kind of the point of like an ollie meet. Every time you've essentially gotten better, stronger, whatever it, it ends up being, then you have to go back to the drawing board. It's the same thing with your diet. Like you test out this piece, you push it as much as it can go. Okay, cool. Maybe that's not as much as I can get to. Maybe I do. Need to add in carbohydrates at this end and then see what happens and at the end of the day if you're measurable reservable and repeatable and it worked out for your benefit then that worked exactly yeah and that's in yeah. and, and, and theoretically that's the same thing i would give to like let's say uh, a future linebacker right like uh, teenagers like am i going to tell him to eat this to be able to put 15 pounds on so that he's a better quarterback because he needs to be able to take a hit even though that's not paleo i would totally tell him to do that that's not necessarily in my mind making him the most healthy not the healthiest right but right. that is he wants to play ball we want to keep him safe like there's all these other factors that come into he that he shouldn't play football if he wants to be safe Shouldn't play football if he yeah. wants to be safe. Yeah. Got it. But that that would be one piece that you know I would look at. Like I don't think that that would necessarily be healthy, but I would definitely prescribe that. Sport specific. Yes, very sport specific. When you, w- you this is your first book, you've written a second book, and uh, we're working on a third. Yeah. And what is the title of the second book? How to engineer a perfect teen. And who did the forward in that book? Dave Castro. And how did you get Dave to do the forward in your book? I asked. I know that's that was nothing, nothing really special. So I know Dave loves to read, obviously. Um, how many people did you ask before you asked Dave? No, nobody. All right, you can, <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, just, just, just Dave. But here was the interesting thing: like, um, it's a, it's, it's uh, probably four to five hundred page book. It's huge. Um, and I asked Dave if he would kind of give it a, a glance over to make sure that I said everything that that w- he would agree with. Um, you know, like I, it really means it, not that I would change it. Um, I would take it out, right? Like if we didn't like, hey, I don't like this piece, I would be a lot more willing to take it out. I would never change it, but I just, you know, hey, are, is this a message that you think that would be good? Um, and Dave actually read it, and, um, you know, it's a – it's a thick read and send it back. And he's like, Hey, you're kind of all over the place on these things, but here's your, your new, he gave me some really good feedback. And that is really the kind of struggle right now is it's got a lot of philosophy and it's got a lot of uh, how to coach and like all these different things in there. It's not out. It's not out. No. So book two is done, but it's not out. But book three is also, it's in the process. We're uh, about 60% done with that one. And what's the name of that book? Doesn't have a name. Um, What's the, what's the subject matter? That, so like if you would take um, the Daily Stoic but make it for CrossFit. So a daily read about either nutrition, uh, motivation, uh, little things like that that you could read, uh, 400 words or less. Hmm. How, how, do you, how do you write a book? Do you write every day? I do, every morning, yeah, from 6 a.m. to 9 to 10 a.m. Wow. So you wake up every morning at 545, mm-hmm. make coffee? Three. Wow. Three, yeah. So morning routine starts at dude, 3 a.m. Dude, I'm telling you, have kids. You're, you're yeah, morning ready, <laughs> dude. Prime for it. You, let me tell you, you make them between 8 and 9 at night. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. nine months later, you, you're, you're, you get up at 3 in the morning and take care of them. You're going to love this shit. It's, uh, no, it's between three and, 3 and 4 every morning. Definitely get up wow. and then you do. Do you set an alarm? 
I do. Yeah, I do. That's the, the first part of the morning <coughs> routine is then um, the water, start to make coffee, and yoga. What time do you go to bed? About 10.30 every night. Wow. I'm doing some quick math here. It's I not a lot of sleep. It's not a lot of sleep. No. How do you function? It's good. Good. Yeah, like I'm totally fine. No, but That's how do you function? No. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get, I got the, I got <laughs> no, I'm the piece kidding, of it. I'm just kidding, but like I, I would think I would struggle with that. But I guess I people good. How much do you sleep? Probably like seven plus hours a night. Here's the funny thing about that, though. Like I also fast all the time, and I never really eat carbohydrates at all besides broccoli and Brussels sprouts. And I think that that oh, makes it Brussels work. sprouts. I do not Let's talk about those in a second. I don't think Go that on. you can do it without it. So ketosis is a key to, to lack of sleep. Correct. It makes it for not lack sure. of sleep. For, for sure. I do believe that when you have carbohydrates, you do need to sleep more. Yes, huh. for sure. Do you, has anyone else said that before? Or is that you're just like that's just your lab says yeah, that? That's, that's the results you're getting from your lab. Yeah, but I would say that that's consistent with everybody if they would be willing to test that out. And then that also goes with, are you going to be willing to, to fast more often? Are you going to be willing to not have breakfast? Like are all those things, are, and that's the hard part. Are you going to be actually willing to do the test? Right, you have to experiment for yourself. Yeah. What time does your girlfriend wake up? She usually gets up around 4.30, depending on if she has to teach class or not. Would she get up that early if you didn't? She has to teach class, so yeah. Okay. Now so she doesn't. When she doesn't have to teach class, she would sleep in a little bit. I can't. Like, it, it, if I get up later, it, it makes me think that I've failed in some way. Like, wow. it, it, it kind of hurts me oh, a little bit. Oh, this is getting good. It hurts me a little <laughs> bit. Like, it's, like I, I, got, I got in last night late, and then I still had to get up to make sure I got it all done. Does wow. travel kill you? Like, it's just a waste of fucking time? Oh, man. I really, like, I get really homesick. Like, really, really homesick. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, like I. Routine sick. Very routine sick. Yeah, yeah, for you, sure. You just start missing your routine. But you can, like, I, like it, it goes right into reading after that. So right after yoga, I, uh, well, I pray, then I meditate, and then I read, right? So, like, you can do that everywhere. I wake up, I boil water. <laughs> yep. I drink my coffee, then do yoga, or I have my coffee next to my yoga? The coffee is cooling while I'm doing yoga, meditate, pray, then coffee, and what yoga right. routine do you do? I do like a little eight-minute thing. It's really, really quick. It has like child's pose and down dog, up dog, all that kind of stuff. Really simple. And are you pretty stiff? I would say that the I'm not at all, actually. I'd say that I'm fairly mobile because I like to work out like two to three times every day. But I mean, even your – like I'm very, very limber, but in the morning I can barely touch my toes. I can barely tie my shoes. But by the end of the day, I'm a pretzel. Uh, so what I'm saying, when you wake up, are you stiff? More stiff, but not, not stiff. Not stiff in, in you know comparable terms or anything. Thirty-seven. Wait till you're thirty-seven. You're fucked. <laughs> That's like two weeks, man. Like, don't scare me. You've already forecasted so many things. Okay, so so you got the coffee. Yep. It's cooling down. You've done the eight minutes of yoga. Maybe you're now taking a sip or two. Uh, I wait until I'm all the way done with everything. I got to be done meditating before I can have coffee. And you pray before you meditate. Yep. First. So pray is um, a mantra. No, pray is specifically to God. And uh, is it like thankful? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. Gratefulness is the first, is the, is the, um, besides like telling God he's awesome, like I feel like that needs to be the first part, uh -huh. is that kind of like saying that out loud because it just makes you feel really good to be able to recognize. And where's your girlfriend? Bed. And she hears you talking to God? No, no. You're I see it under my breath. Oh, okay. okay I'm, I'm okay. a ninja about it. <laughs> okay. Not, all right. All right. All right. Yeah. And then gratefulness <laughs> and then, you know, whatever um, proclamations or whatever you want to call it. What were you thankful for today? Um, today I was thankful for having some, uh, somebody and a gym that is able to run when I'm not there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is something to be very thankful of, that I know that it's protected, that I know that the people that I love and my friends that are there every day are fine. That's I can awesome. walk out yeah, of there and great. I know that they're totally cool. And I know that I'll probably have like 10 text messages of like PR today because we're doing Cindy. And I've already gotten like, oh, hey, this guy did too. his first yeah, one. Jim's That's funny. Yeah, like first Cindy, first pull up, first recommend. And I'm like, this is great. Like how, how So cool while you're praying, <laughs> Matt's running through and visualizing jokes that he's going to say about me to be little me. That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. In the shower. I mean, yeah, in the shower. In the That's shower. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Way That's to awesome. circle that back. Yeah. Yeah. Me, Get out of the shower. Uh, so, so, and then, and then the transition from prayer to meditation is from <clears throat> an active participation to a, uh, a stillness to coming to like maybe focusing on your breath. Yeah, very good. So I believe, so prayer is like on your knees <coughs> and petitioning to God, showing some sort of reverence. Then meditation is flipping back around and then noticing your breath, right? And then that, to me, meditation in the morning is about concentration. So you're trying to constantly notice the moment. Is the moment going away from you? It will, what, what's going on? What are you thinking? And then can you let it be like that thing where it's a cloud floating up? And can I see it? Can I not have any opinion about it. And if I can come back to my own breath, even when it starts to take me away, then that's just another rep of concentration that I've built. So then my next piece, which is reading, I absorb more. And then my next piece, which is writing, I get more done. Are you cultivating? How long have you been doing this? Oh gosh, uh, years. Are you, do you think you're cultivating greater awareness? Yes, for sure. I think that I used to, I've always loved meditation since, again, since my dad set me in front of Commando because almost every one of those films, like what did Steven Skull do in like every film, no matter how big of a douche, right? Like it was like meditate. I'm like, ah, that must be something I should do, right? And I saw that when I was like eight. So I tried it for so many years up until probably five years ago where I was like, just do it. Just do it every day. Who cares if it works? And then you start to discover that even thinking about it working is really weird. Like, what could it be working for? Some right. kids are wasting their time watching Sesame Street. You were watching Seagal, Commando baby. and learning about hey, meditation. Love, love Sesame Street. Dude, not only would you fit in Santa Cruz, it sounds like you're already living here. It's <laughs> 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 a Steven Seagal reference right there. I wish I could fist bump you. That was good. <laughs> Minus the getting up at four part. I don't know. Yeah. Then you, and, okay, so so those, um, those, you do the house cleaning, the, some mental and physical yeah. house cleaning. And now you are writing. Then then read. I'll read for an hour. Okay. And then write. Yes. And the writing goes on for? You, from 6 to usually 9 or 10. On a laptop. Correct. Yes. And how do you avoid going to your emails? You just don't. I mean, I really don't have a better process other than I really love writing. Like, I love to not have to look at my email. It's kind of like it's kind of like having a different job. So, like, I really view it as, like, this is my, my morning first job. I do that. I get it done. And then I, almost, like, immediately, as soon as I click off cool, now I'm on the clock. What do I have to do for games? What do I have to do <coughs> for my box? And then it's completely different human. And then I try not to write anymore. Um, now, if I have inspiration, of course, I pull out Evernote and I just like I hit it and I get it down. And that's how I get a lot of stuff throughout the day, just content wise. Um, but it's I try not to write at all. I don't want to set up another point at three o'clock in the afternoon to try to write. That's impossible for me to try to be creative when all of the stuff from the day is coming in. It has to be in the morning for me. I don't believe that a writer or any creative has to be stuck into that. Like, oh, I'm only creative in the morning. Whenever you are creative is totally fine. For me, I have to structure it this way. And so, ni- so nine to then, you go to bed at ten thirty is really the grind. 
making sure the gym is running properly, making sure it's clean, training clients, onboarding, Correct. maybe go see a movie with your girlfriend. Is there is there any crazy scheduling in there too? Or does it get kind of loose? It's pretty, it's very structured, yeah. Seven very, days very seven days a week. Yes. Do you go into that, into the making of a perfect teen? Yeah. Yeah, Dave, Dave told me, he's like, hey man, this guy runs his life like basically like the CrossFit games. Yeah, <laughs> like it's... Like every minute. minute is accounted it, for. Yeah, it kind of. It, it, I mean, that probably doesn't sound. That sounds really bad when you paint it back no. that way. No, not if you're a robot. Oh. It sounds great. It's <laughs> no, I'm. I'm joking. It is. For anyone who's paying attention, you've written three books. You're running a business. You have a successful relationship with your girlfriend. You're a healthy, positive person, and the only way that shit gets done is by having a schedule, and by having routine. And I, th I think it comes from just a, a position of being really broken and being really bad at it. Like I really just recognize all these things I was bad at. And these are just um, practical applications to be able to help me be better at the things that I want to be good at. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like that's where meditation comes from. And again, I try not to think of, oh, I'm going into this for a beneficial thing, but it obviously gives me something mm -hmm. that I can take into. Right. So it's just like <coughs> a structure that I can function within. Uh, the same thing about being really on the schedule. The only thing that does get scary, just like you said, like, when I get pulled away from it, it uh, I, don't, I don't think it should have me feeling anxiety to be away from it, but it does. No, right. I'd say that's relatable. It is, but I, I think that there's a way out of that. Like, and I love to experiment with different things all the time, like constantly doing something different, and there needs to be a way to extinguish that. Like, you shouldn't be able to, I should be able to, as a person, be pulled away from my daily schedule and be able to function. I believe that's how, I believe we're strong enough to accomplish that. Me, personally, I'm just so weak in that, that I've loved this schedule. How do I, how do I move and get outside of that? How do I function well? And that's kind of the next thing that I need to be able to be, to get good at. On a final note, um, there's a section in your book about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And you talk about forgiveness as um, you compare it to going outside in the rain as a practice. Do you remember this piece? Mm -hmm. there's, um, I think you say people avoid the rain, they avoid the rain, they avoid the rain. I think there's something in there. And then you say, you know, and, and so you can go outside and stand in the rain and take some deep breaths and you can practice to enjoy that rain. Mm -hmm. And you talk about forgiveness and you say it's so, and you talk about heroes, fallen heroes, and you talk about how, hey, no one here is perfect and we all need forgiveness and we all need to forgive each other. <clears throat> and that, that takes a cultivating, of, that takes cultivation also, forgiveness, because it's, so we're, we're programmed to point the finger. Mm -hmm. And I bring this up because, you know, we had Ricky Garrard. Well, there's two interesting things. Um, it, it, we're, we're, I feel like our society is in a big, in, in a big way, in need of that message. Yeah, forgiveness, totally. forgiveness, forgiveness, and recognize that none of us are perfect, and that we all need to uh, totally agree. Make space for one another as human beings to overcome our hardships. Totally agree. Um, especially people who are actually trying to work on themselves. Totally agree. And you see someone like Ricky Garrard or a Lance Armstrong or one of these athletes who is clearly in one way or another trying to improve themselves, yep. right? And they're they're working their fucking asses off. And then something like this happens. And um, on one hand, like 50% of me is like, I just want to forgive them and like, hey, water under the bridge and I'm really sorry until you bring in the Vellner factor. 
Right. The Vellner family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got it. That he also worked his ass off. Sure, yeah, I understand. And he's never going to get that third place um, feeling. Yeah. And to and, and uh, my wife always says, hey, um, the sure way to end up crazy is to argue with reality. So, like, it happened. I like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Let's not argue about it. Mm-hmm. But how do, you, how do you feel about that particular situation? You're intimate with the games. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You saw Ricky Garrard there. Uh, he gave a hundred percent. Yep. But he took that from Vellner. How do you how do you view that? Situation? I think that if you're and, and you took steroids yourself. Yep. Totally. Um, in the in if it's in the rule book, don't do it. Like that first and foremost. Like you should not be doing anything that's outside of the rules. Like before anything, it's like I'm just like that like justice right like justice is like hey here's the rules man just do it like if you want to go outside of that as a human i'm totally fine with it but stay out of our our uh, our sandbox right like just don't do it yeah like really easy so cool like regardless of the fact if he did something that he thought was okay or if it was malicious intent behind it that kind of goes with the philosophy of what does it really matter what i think um, and what does it really matter what the athlete thinks? So if, the, if Vellner's entire point of the games is to be able to stand on the podium, he's going to have a really rough life because eventually that's going to go away. Hmm. You need to be able to experience that just for that moment in time, not for like, I hope that this is my end result. I don't think that an end result is something that is maintainable. I think that the process is something that right. is. I think that that's what you fall in love with. So if his whole thing was standing on the podium – me personally, that's going to be really rough. So if that was taken from me, I personally wouldn't care. But again, like that, that's me looking at it on somebody else's hmm. kind right. of thing. And I kind of that's what I try to teach with any of my athletes is like, man, I really hope that you love the everyday, right? Because the PRs go away. <laughs> like I'm really sorry, but this is gonna happen. Are like, you done PRing? No, no, I've actually I can still I've still done some things here recently. That but you was know like, that they're going to go away, but like, they haven't yet. No, like so, like the other day I did more double unders than I ever have. Nice, right? Like you know, and it's nothing. You know, like it's like 108. Cool. Six, six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like you know, and I look at that. I'm like, cool, I got that. But like as far as like like snatching, right? Like I haven't hit a snatch PR in probably like two years those are a little harder to come yeah and like that's what i try to teach now i didn't try to teach that 10 years ago like that wasn't my thing but after a while you get like i love the process of working out that's Mm -hmm. why i want to do it all day it's a stress relief like Mm -hmm. that's what i'm trying to teach not like oh i love the process of being able to back squat 200 pounds and then 205 tomorrow because that process is going to be done Right. It has to end as far as being able to take those really, really finite numbers. Now, we can, of course, really go wide outside of that, right? Like you can belt squat with a belt. You can belt squat or you can back squat with a belt. You can totally. back squat with your ollie shoes. And like there's a million ways to look at it differently, but it's still the process that you love. Mm-hmm. I love the process of CrossFit. I want to make sure everybody else around me loves the process of CrossFit. Same thing with Vellner. I really hope he loves the process of fitness or any other athlete. If not, if you're stuck on that podium, then everybody around you is going to always be doing something you don't like, be it steroids or whatever else. Right. Is that how is that how you feel about writing too? As in like the process. You have a great book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And totally I'm going to go I'm going to go out on a limb and say is was it a New York Times bestseller? No. No, okay. unfortunately not. You clearly put all this fucking work into it, at least as much work as Vellner did and you didn't make the podium. 
Yeah, totally fine. I didn't. I guess I I wrote it. Um, I didn't really write it for any of that in mind. Um, that's n- you know that was never the goal. I wrote it because I felt like I had something to say, and I felt like I could say it in a really unique way. I felt like everybody else who had all of the same information. I didn't come up with anything new than what we've already been telling everybody for the past ten or fifteen years. Um, I didn't have anything new, uh, but I had a new way to say it, and I had a way that I thought that if I was hearing it for the first time, that's how I'd want to hear it. Who who published it? I did self publish. Oh wow! Yeah, self-published. So, so every time there's a sale on Amazon, you have to mail one out. Oh no, 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 no. So, so Amazon kind of does that for you. It's Amazon self-publishing. So what happened is you set it up and you format it through Amazon. Then right. they, they okay. kind of kick them out. And then if it does well enough, Kindle contacts you, and Kindle's like, "Hey, can we make it a Kindle?" Is it okay. a Kindle? Yeah. Oh, congratulations! Nice. Yeah, thanks. Well, it's a really great book. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, it's. Uh, we were talking yesterday, if we ever were injured, we would want cro- a CrossFit doctor mm-hmm. to yeah. work on us. And uh, reading a book by a CrossFitter, it's like, it's so much more um, profound, intimate, touching, resonates as if it's not a CrossFitter. Sure. Um, yeah. It probably could have used some guns and some vampires and shit in there, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's maybe, your first book. Maybe that's for the second edition. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 that's the next one. Uh, <laughs> now, when you get the second one, you have to tell me if you can. If, I mean, it's way different. Like, I want to know. Like, it's really like, I mean, coach, it's very coaching heavy and stuff like that. So I'd really be able to I'm see curious. your take on that. Yeah. This this thing was kind of rocking me. Yeah. Yeah, Good. each page. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think actually the book, to be honest with you, the, the book is, uh, let's see, it's 238 it's a quick read. Eight pages. It's a quick but read. But it's probably only 188 pages. Those of you know you're getting ripped off a little bit because there's a lot of rip, <laughs> rip, shit that's repeated in there. Like oh, you'll yeah. say something great, oh, yeah. and then on the next page, you'll have it highlighted again. I'll be like, this motherfucker's like trying to cheat. By, like, dude, I used dude. to do that like my sophomore year in high school. Yeah. Trying yeah, to, yeah. You got an extra 40 pages. It's only about 70% original content in there, right? Like you got that doubled up. 30% and you plagiarized it off yourself. I did. I did. You had to figure out a way to pad it a little bit, right? Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And well done. I really love that that we're doing this. I think it's Tell us how great nice. we are. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, do you own one of those? What are we talking about? It's a level one training guide. I don't own the oh, yeah. actual copy of it. Hardbound I mean, edition? I don't own that, no. Would you like that? I would, yes. That's a gift nice. for you. Oh, yeah, thank you so it. much. You're the that's first guest that's got one of those. Oh, wow. If anybody awesome. else wants one, they're available in the stuff store. Oh, they are. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. that. Or you can just come on the podcast. Yeah, that's the easiest way. Yeah. Awesome. Why buy one when you can just come on Seriously? the podcast? You have to yeah, write a couple books first, though. Oh, yeah. You got to get one book published first. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Badass.